Welcome back. It's Recovery Sort Of, the podcast, where we explore the struggles of life, the challenges of mental health and recovery, and the spaces between. We express our personal views on life here, and this podcast is not meant to replace medical advice or tell anyone the right way to live. This podcast is best used as a place of curiosity and questioning to accompany you on your journey. Be aware there is strong language. Here we go. Good morning, Billy. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing all right now that we're sitting down here doing this and I'm not carrying Christmas shit around the house. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I get here this morning. Um, we come into our little room where we where we record, which is in my mother's house, right? Thank you, Mom, for letting me borrow your room. Um, but she has, since I've last been here and recorded, <laughs> loaded it up with boxes of Christmas stuff. And you know, uh, my first reaction was like irritation. Like, fuck, this shit's going to be in the background of the videos, this, that, and the other. So I was like, oh, and and this is funny because I just told somebody yesterday that I don't really enjoy passive aggressiveness, but I texted her and was passive aggressive. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, uh, what did I say? Skill set you probably learned from childhood. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great coping skill. Uh, It was a way to be heard. You know what I mean? I didn't have many of those. So that was mine. Sarcasm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So I texted her and I was like, hey, I don't know if you know this, but your office is the background of my video podcast, you know? And she's like, oh my God, I'm sorry. Uh, You know, there's there's more space in the spare bedroom now, but they're really heavy boxes. Could you move them down there for me? And I'm like, yeah, I will because I want them out of the way. Um, But yeah, I started thinking about it while I was carrying them around, right? And I'm like, is this the story of my life? (laughs) Right, right? Like, are these, and I keep wanting to overestimate when I say how many of these heavy Rubbermaid containers full of Christmas stuff. Uh, I don't have to describe them. If you have parents, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 of them, and they're heavy. And this Christmas stuff is the stuff that was important when I was little, right? Like, I wanted to be important, but the Christmas stuff was. And like, I don't want to carry the Christmas stuff around anymore, right? Like the Christmas stuff is more important than whether I feel like carrying it around, whether I have the energy or motivation to carry it around. Like I've had to move it up here when we just moved my mom up here not that long ago. Like now it's getting unpacked from the shed. Like everything about Christmas decorations, even though I'm not a Scrooge, by the way, I love driving around and looking at people's Christmas decorations <laughs> with my kids and shit. But like everything about that process to me is like, I don't know. It just seems to sum up the way I've felt like this is the important stuff, these Christmas decorations. And like, I'm just here to protect them and not break them and put them up and down and put them away and Fuck that Christmas decorations. Yeah, man. now you're the server of the Christmas. Yeah. You serve them, they're the master. Right. Huh. So maybe that's where we start with the story of my life. Um I I tried to put together some shit to like remember what the fuck my life was. Um <laughs> don't know how well I did with that, but we'll see. Uh so yeah, I don't I'm a person that doesn't feel like I have a very good memory of anything ever. <laughs> uh you know, I, I know we're learning in science and, and therapy and everything. Like when you're in survival mode, you have less access to be able to store and recall and remember because it's more of a moment to moment, you know, hypervigilance around the, the danger cues than it is anything else that's going on around it. So I don't know how much that plays into what I don't remember or just I'm a guy that didn't pay much attention or who knows, right? I think it. there's something like in uh like when we have done this or when I've done work on like my past or anything, I've recognized an interesting thing there with memory. Okay. So one, I know that memory is fallible. Like I used to oh, think yeah. it wasn't, but now I'm a hundred percent sure that it is. <laughs> yeah. And not only that, all the time. It, until I either say it out loud or write it out or talk to someone or someone challenges me, like my wife will say, Well, you used to say this and now you say that i'm like right. that's fucking interesting like i don't and to back to the life thing like i remember with my dad having issues you know with my dad being like oh he worked all the time he wasn't really around he wasn't really available 
But then I have distinct memories of him being at the Little League field and like umpiring games or, hmm. or being there. But the narrative I've told myself is he was never there. Hmm. But then I have memories that he right. specifically was there. And he'll talk about right. being there. So right. it's like, which one is reality? But what I've recognized is that story that I tell myself uh-huh. is the one that matters. I mean, yeah. that's the one that I need to that I'm work on. With. Right. 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 <laughs> no, and I think that's hugely important. Um, when you talk about memory, I completely agree with you. From what I understand and read in science, like basically we really don't know what the fuck we right. saw or did or heard or any of that. Yeah. And uh, it's all very skewed. And in my mind, it all points to I've been speaking an emotional narrative my whole life, and we've all been looking at it as if we were talking about the real world, <laughs> right? When I say my father wasn't there, he emotionally wasn't there. Right. It doesn't matter how close proximity his body was to mine, you know what right. I mean? And like, the more I'm learning is our whole lives are based in this, whatever you want to call it, emotional, spiritual place inside us, and that's what we're all talking about and describing, and that's why we can't agree on a truth. Yeah. Because we're all speaking from a place of how we feel and not what we actually see in the world. Right. That's all interpreted through the lens of what we're looking for. Yeah, and I'm sure your generation, (laughs) my generation, might be getting slightly better now, but your feelings didn't matter as a kid. No. (laughs) You weren't. In fact, you were just supposed to do what you're supposed to do, you know. My feelings. Show up when uh, you're supposed to show up. Were something for my parents to fix. (laughs) Like, and, and, And I don't mean fix like... Um, nurture and right, 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 right. They in were, they were like, way. he's fucking broken. He's not going to make it in the world, and we better fix right. that shit. You're crying. You better stop that. I'll right. give you something to cry about. Yes, <laughs> like, <you know>? yes. <laughs> L- looking at it now, and and I'm not. Look, I mean, we can parent blame if we want to do that. We can also blame me for the way I parented my kids because we'll get to that part of oh, my yeah. story. But that's pretty ugly. What I repeated. Um, for me, it feels like now. That what my parents and what I was trying to do, we we saw flaw in this child, right? And we saw how harsh the world had met us, right? And we said, oh my God, that'll never work. We got to prepare them better. And we did that by trying to toughen them up, right? Get them ready for the real world. And then we sent them out there. And like, I, I get that idea. But looking back now, what I became was the fucking person being the tormentor right instead of just being able to remain the soft landing spot for when the world did meet him like an asshole yeah well and and not i mean just with our parents that's a cultural thing too because there's also that's the messaging that we got in schooling like schooling Mm -hmm. wasn't a place where you were taught about emotions and shit it was like do this work do this homework oh i don't care what's going on in your home life doesn't matter if you're Parents are getting divorced. Your dad's an alcoholic. You're fucking whatever. Like, you got homework to do, and that's what's important. Right, <laughs> right. And so that's the messaging we get from society, you know, as yeah. as children. You know, you're supposed to show up. You're supposed to do. You need to do X amount of activities, you know. Right. When you get into high school, oh, you want to go to college? Well, you got to play sports. You got to do extracurricular activity. You mean, oh, you don't like that? Well, it doesn't, that's, doesn't matter. If you yeah. want to go to college, these are the things you have to do. Well, yeah, and the assumption there, like the assumption that all my 30 second graders, right, their home lives are probably all great. (laughs) None of them are getting beat or anything, but but we'll be strict. And why can't you keep up with the work, right? We'll never assume that like maybe they're, it's rough at night. Or or even just the vague (laughs) assumption that 30, 10 year olds are all emotionally at the same place. Right. That they're all, you know, physically and emotionally developed the same because right. you look at their sizes and you know the fuck they're not. You know, right, what I mean? right. Like, and what's some are little tiny kids, <laughs> yeah. some are at the verge of puberty. Right. Like, you know, and, and what and, kind of stuff have they been exposed to in their house? How many right. older siblings do they have and are in proximity to? Like, yeah. <sighs> so anyway, getting all that back oh, to your story, the the story. fun part of me telling my story, and I hope this is what comes out for you, mm-hmm. is the reflection on some of that stuff and mm-hmm. and some of the. Some of the narratives, looking at some of the narratives I've told myself, where I've gotten in my life now is it doesn't even 100% matter whether they're true or not. It's like, this right. is the stories that I've told myself. This is the foundation on which I've built my life. Now, what can I do to heal those things or make them better or move forward from that? So I hope this comes out as a kind of <laughs> therapeutic thing for you. Maybe I've, I had never done anything like really laid out my story like that. So it was kind of fun. 
Well, I can think of one time along the way where the goal was something like this in an actual 12-step uh, variety. And one of the programs I attended, this was kind of how they worked their first step, huh. was to write out their life history, uh, generally. And it was interesting. I did a really brief one in my first go-around through the steps. And then I, I kind of now think that's more like what a fourth step is supposed to be, although that's not what it's come out to be we right. get hung up on the word moral inventory and so we throw out all your emotions again oh, yeah. <laughs> like, but anyway <laughs> okay so uh you know the old joke i was born at a young age of course um, <laughs> i don't know much about this i was born in baltimore city obviously uh you don't even get really narrative memory which is like where you have a story because you have words to put a story together uh you don't get that until you're at least four so i don't have any of that until yeah. four um, the, the thing is parents okay. like picture people, like, do you have pictures of being a kid or family events yeah, and things yeah, like that? Yeah, we got some, uh, some family photograph books. In fact, I think some of them might be right behind you over there, Billy. Um, <laughs> well, they might be some photo albums. Flashing yeah, up oh, photos. <laughs> I mean, you can, feel free to glance through <laughs> if you want. I, I know there's one with me and my dad in a train. Um, <laughs> for, but yeah, so. What I can remember of people telling me, I, I was told the story, and I was told this very young, uh, elementary school, early elementary school, often enough that I knew it, <laughs> that I was a tough child. Um, I never slept. That was the words, never slept. Um, you know, I would get like maybe an hour of sleep a night, and I kept my parents up all the time, and they were going crazy, and they wanted to take me to somebody to have me tested to see if I was possessed. <laughs> that's the fucking story uh, yeah. I actually told a kid in elementary school that my parents took me to the doctor and tested me for being possessed when I was a baby to which they told me that was bullshit and then I found out that you know that wasn't an actual thing you could get tested <laughs> for uh, so that was embarrassing thanks mom for telling me the bullshit story anyway yeah so like that's my first interpretation of myself yeah. without memory was that I was told it was I was really difficult and I cried and I was never satisfied. Now, was that like the uh, the trailer for the story of my life being a big whiny baby? I don't know, maybe, yeah. <laughs> right? Well, but did that stick with you? Because I was told so I was similar. I was colicky as yeah, a baby fussy. and very difficult and and all that stuff. And I never like that isn't the thing that stuck with me from my childhood. But I heard someone the other day talking about exactly this kind of thing. It's like someone had said, oh, your parents told you this and that's so terrible. And the lady kind of said, she said, my parents told me all kinds of shit. And like 90% of it, I didn't listen to at all. And it didn't stick. But some things, for whatever reason, I decided to make reality. Oh, man, that's taking a lot of ownership over Yeah, that well, she was talking about as an adult, how do you find your way back to your dreams and back mm. to, you know, freedom from, what do they call that, limiting beliefs and right, stuff like right. that. And instead of blaming people for what's going on, you just accept and move forward. Anyway, mm, that okay. was what she was talking about. That's but fine. anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the fact that I still remember it, like I, I don't remember much, you know, so I'm assuming anything I remember must have some kind of significance. For sure. I, I think it's an interesting way to introduce a person to themselves, you mm. know, like, yeah. hey. This was your beginnings. You were fucking awful. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's terrible. Stinks, right? I said um, it about my daughter. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, my parents both worked at uh, a phone company. Um, my mother had a daughter from a previous relationship. She was in a physically abusive relationship before my father ended up divorced. Um, but like, what I know from like therapy and patterns in life like you don't generally just leave an abusive relationship and get in a healthy one right? right you get into a different kind of abusive one or a similar kind of abusive one um so there's some context for meeting my father uh and then my father uh his fucking story is a mess he grew up really super poor with like five brothers and like didn't want to go to school but one day a week because that was the only day he had clothes to wear and yeah. like didn't want to walk up the steps because people could see the holes in the bottom of his shoes, like that kind of poor. And um, and then like, dude dropped out of school in like eighth grade or ninth grade and got in the military at 16 because he got somebody pregnant. And then 
I don't know, apparently came home from the military and his brother and his father had slept with his wife while he was in fucking yeah. Korea. I don't, yeah, what a fucking mess, right? So he had that, and then he had another divorce with no children. So I showed up, uh, I got a a stepsister, half-sister, half-sister, seven years older than me, um, who is sometimes part of my family household. <laughs> and then apparently a a brother that is 16 years older than me who I don't meet until much, much later. Um, that was your dad's first Yeah, kid. my dad had a son. My, my mother had a daughter. And here we are. And I guess neither of them were in the house with <laughs> you guys when you grew up? It's the My sister, sometimes. It, it was a very volatile situation. You know, there was supposedly agreements in place and that would last for a short amount of time and then it would get all whacked out and somebody would not give her back and... Mm. that would go on for a while and then it would be back to normal. And I, you know, I'm sure there was like courts and police and shit involved in all that, but yeah. I wasn't privy to all that. At yeah. That as point. a kid, you don't know anything about it. Yeah. So, um, so my, my mother took off, you know, from maternity to, to be with me until I was like three. I think she was like daycare and other kids to help, you know, pay or whatever. And my father was still working. And then he got laid off. And when I was three and then my mother went back to work and he stayed at home. But, I, uh, some shit happened in there between like those years. <laughs> um, like he had, he struggled with depression. Um, I don't know all the stories. I know he was hospitalized for a suicide attempt at one point in my first four years ish. Um, I know when he got laid off, he like, you know, became the stay at home dad and, and got that kind of stuff done. Like I got up and got to school and shit, but generally I don't think anything else got done for years. Like, yeah, just, like I imagine we're talking the eighties and it was yeah. not near probably as socially acceptable as Fuck it is no. now. And Fuck growing up, right. if he was military and uh, had all that mentality, yeah. there's a lot of, so he's sitting at home with Shane. There. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, yeah, so all that, yeah, that's a, that's the story, right? Mm. And so I, elementary school, he walked me to school every day and came and walked me home every day. And like, I mean, he was my buddy in a lot of ways, which was an amazing thing because he, he did have a lot of love for me. You know, that's uh, that's kind of the amazing parts. Mm. And like, it's, it's not to cut you off right there, but it's the similarities between, it's like you, you're... And it's funny where the opposites in a lot of ways. It's like your dad was that upbringing, that stuff was very similar to my mom in a lot of ways. <laughs> like, right, yeah, it's right. just, it's so weird. And like my mom, same with the really, you know, poor family and the chaos. And it wasn't her specifically, but like her oldest brother, her father left her mother with her oldest brother's wife and they went off and got married and had kids. So now she's got, yeah. you know, I don't know what you call that, <laughs> you know, siblings from her sister-in-law. Like, it's just like the, the, yeah. I mean, just... my dad would tell stories about him and his brother that was a year older than him. Like when they were teenagers, they moved out because everything was so fucking poor in the house. It was cheaper to support yourself out of the house than it was to live there and try to support everybody else yeah. too. Yeah. And they talk about sharing cans of dog food with ketchup on it. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like And see, my mom <laughs> would never open up quite that much about most of her childhood. Most of what I know about it came from some of my aunts. Mm. My mom just said they were very poor. Her father was an alcoholic. He was abusive physically, sexually, you know, just a horrible yeah. human being. And that was as much as we'd ever get out of my mom. She would be like, well, fuck that son of a bitch. Dude. You know, we'll never meet him. I don't ever want, you know, you'll never know him. Incest <laughs> and abuse runs yeah. fucking rampant in poverty. Yeah. And if you talk to people, you will find that out. Yeah. Like whole fucking communities think that is the norm. The children growing up think everybody goes through that because most of them are. It's fucking crazy that we live in this world that we allow that shit to just be. Yeah, and the emotional toll that that takes on people, you know. Like, for a long time, I used that as an excuse. Like, for my mom, I would be like, well, gosh, she's doing 10 times better than what she grew up in. Like, she right. never abused us or anything. Maybe yeah. not physically, but, <laughs> right, you know. Right. But that was the justification. It's like, look what she grew up in and look how much better. She and I'm sure that was for her, too. But, you know. Yeah, It's yeah. tough, man. But I know she loved me. And I know right. that she would have done anything she could to help me. She was my biggest defender. You know, biggest protector, and yet... 
it's the most beautiful thing and the most (laughs) painful thing at the same time because if they did not love me so much it wouldn't have fucking crushed me so much Mm. you know it's because that i meant so much to them that it hurt so much every time they did what they did you know um yeah i'm sure my father being laid off you know not feeling worthy, feeling like a stay-at-home dad who's not manly enough, where in the 80s it was, you know, commonplace to make fun of the gays and the the sissy men in every goddamn movie you had, right? Like, this was a different time and place, and I'm sure he fucking (laughs) hated himself, you know? Um, hmm. Yeah, he was angry, man. We we know these kind of links a lot more now. Like you said, in the 80s, this wasn't really common knowledge, but anger, depression, like... It's it's ugly. Um, so that's what the house was like. It, it was uh, calm than not. You know, it was explosive. It was who the fuck did the thing and what was it today and what little thing was done wrong and not the way dad wanted it that caused everybody to be miserable, you know, or the house to be quiet or me to sit at the top of the stairs and hear mom and dad screaming at the bottom of the stairs and wondering what the fuck's going to happen and who's going to be alive. And like, is that me telling a, a, an exaggeration? Like there wasn't that many times they got physical with each other, but even the fact that I got to say, well, there wasn't that, that many, many fucking times. Time. Yeah. Like I'm a kid. I don't know. I'm yeah. scared. And they're the people that are supposed to be protecting me, not down there scaring me. Right. Yeah, my wife describes that as like the walking around on eggshells yeah. all the time because you never know, you yeah. know. And it can be something you did or something not. It could be something that just happened that you had no fault in, but yet you're the brunt of the chaos. You know? As the guy who has shown up in the world as that motherfucker, <laughs> I can tell you it had nothing to do with anything except the fact that I don't feel good inside. Mm-hmm. Right, Because when I feel good inside, I don't pick everything apart all the time. And I don't do it in ways that hurt people. I just tell them when things hurt me. I'm like, hey, this I don't like that. <laughs> you know? Um, but man, it's sad to think I spent a lot of my life hurting people so badly just because I didn't feel good. And we couldn't point to that earlier as a, as a species. You know, somebody couldn't have pointed to me and said, dude, you don't fucking feel good. And we got to help you. Yeah. Because that would have been great. Um, so, yeah. Um, I, I know this timeline. I guess there's no way to stick to a fucking timeline telling this story at all. But So, Dad's depression, he didn't work again until, like, the early 90s, just to fill that portion of it in. So, he was just kind of at the house until then, yeah. um, which is cool to have a parent home. I, I know people could sit here and tell their terrible awful stories of how they were left alone and their parents had to work too many hours and shit right latchkey kids i didn't have to do that that's great except when the guy is hyper vigilant <laughs> to my behavior you right. know maybe it's not so great that he's around all the fucking time um yeah i don't i don't remember a ton from like i said before four just what i was told i, I was really tough um apparently i i was smart uh seems to be something I was praised for, my ability to think and be logical and that kind of great stuff that worked for a while. It got me some, you know, pats on the back and some attaboys. Um, you know, just thinking back to like that, that early, early time that I don't remember much of, like, I don't think I met my brother until I was like six or seven, mm. maybe. And it was because he was getting married and he decided he wanted to recontact my dad because they didn't talk for a long time. Uh, I don't know that whole story. I don't think it was anything my father wanted. I think he, you know, came back to that situation. And then I think the mother was bitter and yeah. moved to Arizona yeah. or something. Crazy shit. Um, I hate to say most of those situations, I think now my understanding comes from fucking movies that some of which are, I'm sure, based somewhat in truth of like, there's probably a little bit of hesitation on everybody's part. You know what I mean? Right. The kid wants to possibly rekindle, but possibly move on. The parents feels insecure mm-hmm. and then the other parents bitter and angry. And it's just easier to not fucking all sit down and hash out your emotions. 
Well, and, and by the time I met him, I'm like seven, eight, nine years old. He's coming over with like a toddler and a baby. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who the fuck is this dude this is showing up? Right. Here's well your brother. Yeah, right. Uh, it did get more interesting down the line with him anyway, just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but we'll get there one day. Uh, well, fuck it. We'll get there now. It turns out later on, he went to like wrestling school and ended up wrestling in the fucking WWE, which oh, was cool. the WWF back then. Right. And there's all these YouTube videos of him wrestling like fucking <laughs> Kevin Nash and all these big wow. name fucking wrestlers. I'm like, oh. and he's a nobody in the, yeah. in the wrestling industry, but like how fucking cool, right? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Knew? That's awesome. Yeah. I know. It's neat shit. So, um, still don't really talk to him, but that's okay. Um, the only thing I can really remember that stands out from like that pre-school age, I, I remember going to daycare across the street from me. Um, it was like across the parking lot from my house. And there was this round circular table like you would see in any cafeteria anywhere ever that like separates, pulls apart in the middle for extra sleeves. And we were pushing it back together as a group. The kids were in the daycare. And I was on the side of it, pulling both sides together. And I was like, hey, guys, don't, you know, make sure you're real slow doing this because my stomach is going to get pinched if you're not. And, of course, we pinched my stomach. And, like, <laughs> I don't know why, Billy, and I don't know if this yeah. is, like, I think this is my shit, something I need to do and adjust. But this is a very frequent fucking pattern in my life where I address a thing that I don't want to happen in the future. I talk it over with the intended parties. We all agree that we don't want it to happen and we're willing to put in the work to avoid it. And then we fucking make it happen anyway. Mm, wow. I don't know what that is, but it keeps happening for me <laughs> over and over and over again. And that's the first rec recollection of it. happening. Huh, wow. I know such a weird thing. Um, and I also remember getting caught by my dad I was on my back porch um, playing show and tell with the little girls across the alley. Mm. And uh, I got caught and like shamed around mm. that's, you know, very normal four or five year old exploration of like, I got these parts, you got theirs. What the fuck is going on? Right. Um, but yeah, you know, that kind of information wasn't really out there then. And I got to be honest, Billy, I don't fucking think people know that now either. Yeah, it's not. No, I think people would still fucking shame their kids about doing something like that and think something's wrong. And that's totally normal childhood behavior at that age. All right. Elementary school. We made it. God damn. Are people like tuned out yet? Well, not to, you know, whatever, but more or less than you kind of grew up as an only child, your sister coming in and out of. It's hard to say. Right? But she was so much older than you. Yeah. So she was seven years older than me. And. Uh, what ends up happening since we're getting there anyway is around seven or eight years old for me, she ran away from home and accused my father of um, sexually touching her. Hmm. And so that became a whole thing. And then I didn't see her again until I was like fucking 30 or something. Hmm. <laughs> something it's kind of something. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, one of the standout memories of her being in the house was my mother was somewhere, which was unusual. Mom was always home really in the evenings, um, but she was out one night for some reason. And we were, me and my father and my sister were sitting in the living room watching uh, something on TV. But the lights were out in the house for the most part. And I wanted something from the kitchen. And I asked one of them if they would go out and turn the lights on for me. And I was, I don't remember exactly how old, four, five, six. Um, and they told me no, and I better be careful walking out there because my mother was dead and hanging in the closet. Hmm. And that was like the joke for a <laughs> minute. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what <the laughs> what? I'm traumatized still. <laughs> yeah. Like, why the fuck did you tell me that? It was all. Oh, man. Yeah. That hurt yeah. Me. That's um, weird. Another thing that I, I, I glossed over a lot in my life and never really talked about and, you know, Brought up in therapy and passing, like it wasn't that big a deal because I guess we're men and we think that sex is fine for us, even if it starts for us, you know, at age three months or whatever. Um, but when I was like four or five or six, my sister also started playing. We would play Barbies, um, but we started playing Barbies in a different way where the Barbies were touching each mm. other in, in those areas, the bathing suit areas, you know, yeah. and then it became our hands touching each other. And we did that like once or twice. And then I think she kind of grew out of it. And then I kind of like started blackmailing her to do it a couple more times. Um, 
But yeah, that's the thing that I glossed over. I was like, ah, that's probably not that big a deal. And yeah. no, that's probably a fucking big deal, <laughs> right. buddy. Um, What's well, and I was the same with you know being molested as a kid and being like, oh, that's no big deal. I mean, it's disgusting to say it feels almost normal nowadays. But one, nobody talks about it, right? And two, there wasn't really any sexual conversations between school, my parents, anyone else to kind of give you a sense of what's right or wrong or somebody telling you like, well, that really wasn't the best experience. This is what this stuff is supposed to be about. So then you're just stuck with whatever fucking narratives you start telling yourself in your own head about that shit. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's some uh, obsessive and compulsive sexual use later in my story, right? There's (laughs) some sex as a form of um, what we call addiction, what I call seeking relief uh, uh, a little too often in right. unhealthy ways. Um, and like, could that be from that? Finding coping and relief in that early? Maybe, you know? That was a way to disappear from the real world for a couple Well, of and we form so many of these storylines and narratives subconsciously that we take in later right. in our life right. that are just what we think is, you know, quote-unquote normal. And that shit's formed in our subconscious at these early ages, these early events that imprint on us, and we don't even necessarily recognize where some of it comes from. Right, right. So all my little four, five, six-year-old body knows is something's going on, but in that moment, I'm getting attention, and right. it's not negative. Nobody's yelling at me or correcting me. Right. They're happy that I'm there, and I'm I'm being touched in a pleasurable way. Yeah, it feels good. Right. Yeah. I've been looking for that my whole life, right? right? <laughs> like... Yeah, I mean, so so how much do I associate that with love and care and, you know, being tended to? Yeah, and I remember hearing that with my daughters of, like, uh, you know, you need to give your kids a lot of healthy touches, hugs, right. uh, holding hands, like teaching them what healthy, you know, touches are mm. because people crave, you know, touching. They Right, we need that. Crave closeness that's a part of human connection to be held, to be nurtured. And if you don't get that in healthy ways, when you get it in unhealthy ways, it fucking fills that void. And then you think that's what that is. Yeah. So that's the thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, she was there. I get. I I don't know what their agreement was. I think back then it was the stock '80s agreement, which was you know you stay with the mother and then you're at the father every other weekend, right. um, which was probably what it was. But uh, yeah, hard to remember. Yeah. yeah, but I just I don't and recount. You weren't keeping track of every well, and weekend. In my mind, it wasn't <laughs> like. Plus, I don't know summers. How much does that skew my mind? Right. And like. I don't, I, from what I remember, there was times when we expected her there or expected her to leave, and it didn't happen. <laughs> and, and I know her father was an alcoholic and abusive, mm. right? So, yeah, I, I'm just assuming it was a little more chaotic, Chaos. unpredictable, uh-huh. you know? Um, anyway, got to elementary school. Um, I was a good student, but that I was programmed to please people <laughs> around me, right, and make them happy. And, like, my father was so picky that I was programmed to do it pretty fucking well. Um, I, I generally enjoyed school up until like third grade. Um, that's when I think I can remember kids being different around me. You know, I, I could kind of see it in second grade, but like, I remember like kindergarten, elementary and, and first grade. It's just like, everybody's chill. You're learning, you're excited. You play a fucking game with a ball and y'all are in and everybody's doing it. And then, you know, you start to get those kids as you get a little older, maybe they got older siblings in their house and they're you know, by fourth grade, they already hate school and they're tired of it. And this was in the eighties. I mean, I think all kids by fourth grade hate school now, but you know, back then it was like the accelerated kids, right? (laughs) Like maybe the kids who lived on the other side of town. Uh, and I don't know. I just remember it being different then. It was about like having the right clothes and saying the right things and being cool. And like, I was none of those things. Um, I always got the cool thing like three years after it wasn't cool, (laughs) you know, like the LA gears, like way after they were the thing to do. Um, but yeah, I remember hearing somebody say that like, it wasn't just about finding a place to fit in because if they wanted to they probably could have fit in with like the geeks and the nerds and shit back then and and that's how right. i felt too i was like yeah i was i could have been dorky with them that would have worked right yeah. but i wanted to be accepted by the cool people and i don't know what that means for me or, yeah i still struggle with that too because yeah. same thing and i don't even know what that means i don't either <laughs> i don't either i guess that's 
I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's the the inner critic version in my head, right? It's what. The well, world at least says. in looking at it, I think there's a part of that, like, oh, look, they're successful. They must feel good about mm. themselves. Other people like them. Everybody right. looks up to them. Right. Like, I want to be that. I want to be the person that other people look up to. I want to be the person that looks confident, like they got it all together, like they're the fucking winner. Well, know? well, that, and I think, so in my mind, what has happened to me in the programming of my childhood is that I was taught to be a subject, right? And, and then the subject in the words of like a, a king's court, mm. right? Back in the 1500s or something, mm -hmm. medieval times. Like I was taught to be a person who bows to authority in mm. my mind because that's what it is. It's some little authority due to my head that tells me all the rules that I'm not allowed to do what my body says I actually <laughs> want to do, right? So in my mind, cool people are the fucking authority. They're the people that everybody looks to for the rules, right? That's what I think it is, but I, I'm not totally sure. Uh, probably everything. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was a pretty good student. Um, you know, I, I got all the A's or E's or whatever the fuck we were getting back then. And um, I didn't, being a good student came easy. That's why I was a good student. It didn't take a lot of work. I didn't have to study. I was forced to do my homework as soon as I got home from school. Um, because that's just the way you fucking do it, you know. <clears throat> I remember I got into the, the math contest. I don't know if you remember, like, Spelling Bee's math contest yeah. and shit. So I did that in, like, third grade, and I, I won at the school, so I went to the district level. And I didn't win the district level, but the top three moved on, so I went to the city level. Um, and I came in second at the city level and, like, got this fucking... And I'm a short little dude at the time in third grade. Got this like two and a half, three foot trophy. So <laughs> fucking proud of myself. And um, and I walked in the door with it and told my father. And he was like, man, we're going to study and get him next year. And it's like such a crushing moment, you mm. know. Um, I did not participate in the math context not <laughs> the following year. Uh, I remember wanting to read a book in like a poetry read because I thought I read with good inflection and I picked this poetry item out and like I didn't know much about it. It just sounded like the awkwardness of a kid getting older into like somewhat of a teenager, right? Like that awkward phase is what it right. sounded like it was talking about. So like I started practicing reading it and I told my dad I was going to read it and he was like, oh, well, you know, like, read it to me. Let me hear it. So I read it to him. And apparently it was like more tailored for females mm. and like he talked me out of, mm. he may, I don't know that he talked me out of reading it, but he definitely made me think, I don't want to read this or I'm going <laughs> right. to fun of, um, I don't know. I don't know if that was helpful or harmful, yeah. right? You know, but it's a thing. It happened. Um, Another thing I wrote down here was that like in that idea of, I could have hung out with like maybe the more nerdy people and it had to be the cool people was the idea that maybe what I was programmed for was to chase my acceptance and validation specifically from where I don't get it. Hmm. You know what I mean? That's why I was like, I don't know. Is that a thing? Am I, am I programmed to go after it where people aren't giving it? Is that why? And like the people who would give it to me, it's like, well, that's fucking stupid. You'll just give it to anybody, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I used to think that I, what I've been looking at lately, cause I have something sort of similar but what i think it more has to do with now is the way that i look at and receive love at least or or, or my pattern that i took from my childhood doesn't necessarily uh doesn't meet the need that i think it should like because it's so unhealthy so it's like my relationship with my wife like i put all these weird expectations and weird uh like, oh, well, you love me, so you're obviously going to not be available for me, and you're going to let me down, and you're going to do all this stuff. But these people over here that don't love me, like, if they start to give me love, then that feels good, you know? <laughs> but this pattern of what I'm used to as love doesn't necessarily feel all that great. Anyway, hmm. I've been thinking about that lately. That's a just something to think about. Because I used to think the same as you. I used to think, why is it that 
the people that I'm closest to that tell me they love me and in certain ways show me they love me, like, they don't seem to matter. Like, it's the people that don't love me that I'm seeking love and affection from. And why is that? I think for a long time for me, it was the idea of it was it had to be everybody. I needed everybody to love me in order to be enough, right? There couldn't be not one person on earth that questioned yeah, something it. Something to that. Eventually realized, and I think for me at least, that that's actually just me in my head that yeah. I got to convince it's not everybody out there. Um, but there definitely is this dynamic of like, if you already accept me, then I haven't earned anything. And my only understanding is I have to work hard and earn your love. I don't know what it's like to just be loved for being here. So it right. doesn't feel rewarding. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, fourth and fifth grade, uh, I. I had a noticeable shift up until third grade. I was like the model fucking student. You would want me in any classroom ever. Every teacher (laughs) would have picked me number one. Like that was just who I was. Fourth grade that changed a little bit. And and when I say that changed a little bit, the teacher corrected me one time for talking to a student next to me uh, (laughs) in the year. Um, But I had never had that happen before. I had never done anything wrong, Mm. but I did start to notice a different feeling inside of me when that happened. It was like, there's times I can't, I'm not the one calling the shots and I'm going to do something even though my brain is saying, this ain't the thing you do to be the model person that gets you all the love. Hmm. And I didn't know how to stop it. <laughs> that was the beginning of that. Um, also, fourth and fifth grade, the uh, the bullying got a little more. Um I had a best friend that we were best friends. I was over his house every other weekend, if not every weekend, spending the night. We played fucking Nintendo games all the time, even stupid Nintendo games like Bubble Bobble. I love Bubble Bobble, by the way. <laughs> um, but just stuff like that, RBI baseball, trying to get one of those rob a home run moments. You know, <laughs> we'll play for hours and hours. We made up games and played in his room with these little stuffed balls on the floor called hand hockey and shit where we had goals in the doorways like spent a lot of time with this motherfucker we played wall ball and like home run derby in his back alley (laughs) and couldn't have owned it then but know now that i was the fun time guy that we hung out all the time until the cooler kids called Mm. and then there wasn't no space for me right you know but i was always scared that i would miss out on the fun that was going on at his house when I was home, you know. S- couldn't have said this in these kind of words any time before now, probably, but, like, that was my original version, or at least my first outside-of-my-house version of abandoning myself, right? Oh, I don't feel good about me. I'm lonely. I don't have nothing to do. I'm bored. I got to go be with him all the time. I got to think about him when I can't go be with him and be frustrated that I can't go be with him. And I should be down there and doing that. And they're probably having a lot of fun and I'm missing out and they're all going to talk about it Monday at lunch and I won't be a part of it and I'll be excluded again. And that's my story. That's yeah. my narrative in my head. Yeah. You know, um, I didn't get in a lot of fights. I was scared. I was like <laughs> paralyzed by fucking fear. Right. And, and I don't know. I, I don't know how you, give levels of intensity of the kind of bullying I went, I don't know, right? I got spanked in my house. I got beat with a belt, um, a two by four one time. One time when I was older, and this made me cry the other day thinking about it, Billy, I was like 19. I mean, I wasn't a young man. Oh, I wasn't a kid, kid. Um, But you remember the club that people used to put on their car to make sure it didn't get stolen? Uh, I think yeah. they just gave some out in Baltimore they're, recently. I was going to yeah. say, they're doing a big thing, giving <laughs> yeah, them out just now. Them. Right. Anyway, but that was a big thing in the 80s or whatever. But uh, and this was like 99. We still had one, apparently. I think that we had it so that I couldn't steal my parents' car. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Which was kind of funny thinking back yeah. about it. But I had done something and stolen something else from the house again. And my father like choked me out with that motherfucking mm. club, dude. Not choked me out. I didn't go out. But it fucking hurt. Yeah, right. Just looking back at that, like I hadn't thought about that for a long time. For whatever reason, I thought about it this week driving to the gym, and I was like, ow. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know the intensity. I know I couldn't stand up for myself or speak up for what I needed. I didn't have a voice. There wasn't a space for that in my house. Um, my father was 5'9", um, kind of heavy, and fucking scary as hell, <laughs> basically. And like I just learned the best thing to do was nothing. Run My mom was five six and 
90 pounds and scary as hell. So. <laughs> it isn't always, you know, size or what they look like that makes a difference. It's just feeling. Very good point. What's that called? Like de-empowered or <laughs> yeah. feeling like someone just takes all your power and just has all the power over you. Yeah, I don't, uh, you know, I don't know if I was born just an extra sensitive emotional person or whatever worldly words we'd like to put on that description of what kind of life my body goes through. But like, I do always feel like I have been like sensitive and on the verge of tears. And like, I put on our, our social media the other day, like, a minor is the soundtrack to my life, like the chord, right? And it's, if you don't know what minor chords are, they're like, just kind of a little sad. <laughs> and that's what this, my feeling right. of life is. It's like, yeah, it's cool, but it's kind of flavored bitterly. I don't yeah. know. Um, I remember going to school one day, my father walking me down there and some truck didn't stop very well at the stop sign and like kind of blew in front of us and he smacked the shit out of the back of the <laughs> truck and the dude stops in the middle of the road and they're fucking yelling at each other and my dad tells him to meet him to fuck back up there after we he drops me off at school in 10 minutes, you know, and he'll show him and this, that and the other and like, I couldn't function at school that day. Mm. What the fuck happened? Is my dad alive? Yeah, wow. And like I cried when I saw him after school, and of course he was fucking late that day. You know? mm. But like, don't do that to your children, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um. What's well, funny, like I've noticed at least as a parent, and I'm better at it now. It's like we expect our kids to understand like sarcasm and nuance and all these things when they're young because that's how we operate mm -hmm. but they don't understand any of that shit like so much stuff to them is literal or they're still trying to work some of those ideas out you know mm -hmm. so when we say things you know and i again i can remember saying like crazy shit to my kids like oh i should just go punch that fucking guy in his face you know like they don't understand that i'm not probably gonna do that i'm not that's not something i'm gonna do i'm just saying that because i'm angry and that's what i want to do <laughs> i absolutely hopped out of my motherfucking car yeah on some fucking teenagers who were being assholes to me, yeah. but still, like, as an adult, with my fucking kids in the car. I just did it, like, a year ago with my oh, son shit. at Walmart. And I told him, and I really wasn't. I said, I wasn't getting out of the car to fight the guy. I just, he fucking flipped out on me. He was in the wrong. I don't know what was going mm -hmm. on. And so he wanted to stop his car in front of me. So I stopped my car and got out, and then he took off. <laughs> so my I son's like, "Were you gonna get him? out and fight him?" I was like, "No, I wasn't planning to fight him." I, you what know. the fuck were you planning on then? If you get out, you're planning on fighting Billy. Just yeah. let you know, don't get out unless you are. Yeah, because somebody else getting out there <laughs> right. ready for that. Um, so I didn't get out with the intention to fight. I got out with the intention to intimidate. Yeah, not any better. Not any better. No, angry dude. I'm not in control of myself like those right. moments in school <laughs> i can't do that thing that my brain is saying i want to do all right no fucking control over it um i learned later that's my nervous system overwhelming me nobody right. taught me that um you know this is shit that i don't know i honestly have no idea if i've ever told anybody this billy i'm gonna share about it here honestly because of your bravery talking about your sexual abuse and stuff when you were younger and fuck it, we need to change the world and have a different narrative and be able to talk about this shit. But I can remember in elementary school having a group of, uh, of a couple of guys that we played weird truth or dare games with each other and shit around, you know, touching genitals and stuff. I don't know, man. I don't know if that was normal for every kid. We did some of that shit. I don't know that it I matters. I think it is. So I had a similar experience, and what was weird about mine, so a similar experience happened, and I freaked the fuck out but i think i freaked out because i had been sexually abused as a kid mm -hmm. so when these couple of kids there was a sleepover at a guy's and it's mm -hmm. a very similar type of thing and right. we were probably i'm gonna say between eight and ten i don't remember right, exactly right. what age but eight and ten and you know they had brought up and they wanted to play and i was like I'm fucking sick. I need to go home. Ooh. And I freaked out and I went to the, and I was like, I, and I never like told anybody or got anybody in trouble or anything like that. Or I just was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. But it was, you know, those right. kids said, oh, 
done that and mm-hmm. it was four or five kids there and that's what was about to happen and i just like say for being sexually abused. so i think some of that's normal right. you're a kid right. there's normal sexual exploration but again all that shit there's so much shame and a unwillingness to talk about it yes. or a unwillingness to uh, right. like... I think something's wrong <laughs> yeah. with me because right. all the messaging in the world is that being homosexual at that point in time in life in the 80s is wrong. It's fucking wrong and you're a lesser person for it. Yeah. And here I am saying, well, I'm doing stuff like that. We're, we're playing truth or dare. We're playing the, hey, I'm asleep, but if somebody, you know, wanted to like pet me, it's cool kind of game, yeah. right? And nobody's there to say, hey, that's normal. So... All y'all dudes around my age that played that game, there you are. You're normal. <laughs> nothing's wrong with you. Or we're all fucking weird together. Either way. Yeah. Um, we're just growing up with so much shame around like sex in general. Right. Like, oh, I don't know. Anything behind besides like purity. Oh, yeah. Like straight, <laughs> <Chastity>. you know. <laughs> one man, one woman. Like, what do they call that? Missionary. Like, that's right. that's it. Anything else is we fucking a, weird or you're a pervert. Or... We put a sheet between us and cut a hole for <laughs> right. the for the yeah, actual bad, interaction. Like, right. Our skin can't well, touch. Every now and again, we push them together. <laughs> but yeah, and it's, you know, it's just, you since nobody as when you're young wants to have real conversations about that stuff, there's all this shame right. and all this guilt. And I think right. that's where a lot of this, you know, unhealthiness around sex and why internet porn is so crazy yes. it's like because people can't be open about it right you know right thinking about like that that transition period of like going from elementary school to middle school i didn't go to the middle school that was in my neighborhood where all the other kids basically from elementary school went um it was in my town becoming a rougher middle school hmm. um and they didn't have any kind of like advanced um, placement or education programs and so I, I don't know what happened but somehow there was a I got sent somewhere else <laughs> where <laughs> it was further away but they had it was a nicer school I didn't I got bullied by nicer kids who didn't bully me as bad I guess <laughs> I don't know um, probably a good thing but it was a weird time to like kind of be saying bye to this one set of friends and like moving into some this other world you know mm. The people I had grown up with, it was it was freeing for me in a lot of ways because like I knew those weren't really good friends for me anyway. Right. Um, I was mostly just kind of like the low man in the on the totem pole in the group, um, but still like you know, damn, I'm I'm moving away from these people that I've spent the last six years of my childhood with, and the only people I really know in the world uh, that is my world. These people I go see them at school every day, you yeah. know. Uh, but even then, measuring up in some of our last interactions, talking about like they're talking about things that are that are beyond me. I'm like trying to walk around with them over the summer and they've done hung out with the older kids and they're informed about sex and like <laughs> right. no songs that have curse words and like, right. you know, are masturbating and it works and they know how to do it. And I'm like <laughs> 11 and fucking stupid to the world and right. feeling not enough and less than again, you know, just. Just another story in my mind of my mm. life. Um, so, yeah, the whole thing with my sister, that was weird. She left, ran away, uh, accused my father of touching her inappropriately. There was an investigation. People came and talked to me. I had to learn all the gluteus maximus terms and <laughs> shit to talk to him fancy. And, um, you know, nothing ever came of it. Um, I, I actually... I actually do think my father grabbed her titty or something, honestly. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what difference it makes at this point. (laughs) Right. I'm sure it makes a difference for one of them, too, maybe. Uh, Just a weird thing to go through. Another fucking stressful situation of, like, uh, do these people have the ability to take my parents away from me or me away from my parents in this situation? And, like, I don't know. I'd have probably fucking lied to avoid that (laughs) if I had to. Right. You know? um, but then remembering like as I went into middle school one day a couple years later coming home from school she like pulled up in a car full of people my sister and like got out and hugged me and said she was sorry for and like this is what was weird at the time like she was like apologizing and I couldn't completely understand this for like abandoning me mm. and I didn't get it right and I get it now I was in a fucking abusive household. (laughs) Like she was my protection. 
I was the golden child until she left. Mm. She was the fucking bad kid. Right? But then shit started all getting put on me. Right. You were the only one there. Right. Mm. And like I didn't get it then, but yeah, she got out. Mm. <laughs> I'm her I'm sure her situation did not get better, Billy. Right. Um but yeah, I don't know, it was an interesting thing. And then I remember telling my parents about it and like she gave me her number and I remember them having mixed feelings about it, like very mixed feelings, because on one hand, it's like it is my sister and it would be nice to keep in touch. But on the other hand, like she's using drugs and hanging out with people that should not be around me. <laughs> that's probably not a good idea. All right. Um, so that's probably confusing. Other memories is loving music, but loving like adult love songs. Hmm. Like Rush Rush by Mariah Carey or Paula Abdul. I know that. I mean, yeah. I know if I heard But like it, any but any really heartfelt, yeah. right, like adult love song. And, and all I can think about now is that that's what I was sold by the world that was going to be my solution. Mm. That was my magical solution as a kid for all the pain I was feeling. That was somebody was going to come along and they were going to love me so right that it was just going to all make sense. <sighs> you know, um, that didn't exactly happen. Actually, it kind of did happen. It's just me. I came <laughs> along and I'm right. loving me right. God damn it. Um, and it was another key point of like, we were going to go to the state fair this one year and there was this huge fucking blowout argument between my mom and my dad. And like, I was the voice of reason in the house. I was the one crying saying, can't we just sit down and talk about this like adults? And we did. And my father ended up not going and like, you know, me and my mom went, but like how the fuck at eight years old am I the one? being the voice of reason in the house, you know, that parentified child role that I had to take on, um, taking care of my parents' emotions and how that fucked me up for the rest of my life. (laughs) Middle school. (laughs) So I went to this other middle school. It was pretty much more of the same. Different versions of bullying. Um, I was in Boy Scouts. There was more bullying there. Of course, Hmm. it felt like these people just kept showing up. Like I would go to these spaces to get freedom from it and then these like bullyish type people and it's weird because one at school and one in boy scouts were cousins with the same last name but Mm. different people but yeah like they just kept invading my world and like ruining the places where i enjoyed myself wow um but boy scouts was the thing that like i probably would have quit at that point especially with somebody there that really made it miserable and i didn't ever feel like i could now, did you play sports or anything growing up? I, I did play sports. That's right. I didn't mention that. I played uh, soccer, outdoor and indoor soccer, and then basketball and baseball. And I was okay. fucking awful at baseball. Batting. I was scared. I was terrified to bat, Billy. People were throwing that fucking ball at me. And mm, that's right. hard. <laughs> yeah. So I was awful at batting. Uh, struck out or walked, basically, every time at bat. Um, I was decent defensively for the most part i had a glove i wasn't as scared of the ball like I, <laughs> and i kind of was ready for it to come at me you know right. different scenario there um but yeah soccer i was decent at I, I look at the kids my son plays against now and like the skill level in america has come a long way right <laughs> i don't think i'd be that good now but like right. back then i was like a fucking superstar running around everybody um but yeah sports quickly just became another spot where it could be hypercritical about, oh my God, you got a hat trick this game, but here's how you missed the other six mm-hmm. goals you should have. I just have. wondered for the bullying. So I've always kind of had a theory, and apparently not, that like, oh, if you play a lot of sports, you don't really get bullied because you in a team and there's a camaraderie. And You're the dude who strikes out with all the players on base. You always get bullied, Billy. Yeah. Huh. And because I was good at soccer, the other kids on the other teams that were the cool kids in town would be like be extra rough against me in the games because they didn't like me. Mm. Basically, Hamden felt like it was all a bunch of cousins and me. <laughs> <laughs> like everybody was fucking related and right. lived next to people. And my parents came from like some other part of town and just moved there. And mm. I had no ties to the neighborhood. So I was the outcast. Gotcha. Um, and I'm sure just being me, uh, I don't know. I'm a guy that's different. <laughs> and like being me tends to be pointed at by others I guess maybe that's another story in my head I don't know huh. Huh. middle school definite downward spiral of grades like lost the ability to do homework I just could not force myself no matter how much I knew my parents would be upset about the report cards and what punishment would be and that's what I think it's funny that we can't understand about punishment like 
I know I don't want that fucking punishment that's coming for that thing, and I still can't. Right. Why can't parents see that? I can't as a kid. You have to fucking help me somehow. Um, And punishment ain't helping. Eventually got to the place where I skipped school towards the end. Only one day. Me and my buddy skipped and went and like fucking played in a sewer somewhere and crawled around and explored the sewer drains and thankfully didn't get flooded and die. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that like things... The rules started to become less my rules, um, or I, or I felt less inclined that to be able to follow them. Mm. Uh, I I think I've shared on here before that I like took a glass a broken glass bottle before school one day and cut my arms up and went into class and like they just told me to go to the my teacher told me to go to the bathroom <laughs> and wash it up. I was like, and I don't remember what excuse I gave, but right. like something seems wrong here if I got dried blood all over my arms right. while I'm in class. That's crazy. Um, I started like rolling up dried leaves out front of school and smoking them. It was almost like these ways of trying to be cool or get attention or be seen. And, and I don't say that in a negative light. Like I, I needed some fucking attention and I wasn't getting it for just being ho-hum ass Jason, honestly. Right. Like I needed some extra shit. And these were the things that my body felt pulled to do. I don't know why. Yeah, and it's interesting with the rules thing because I, and even now, I'm still a person that, like, I'm a rule follower. I fucking, I am a rule follower. But as I got to this age you're talking about, I started hanging around. Like, what I got attracted to is the cool kids were all the kids that broke the rules, that were doing whatever the fuck they wanted and fuck authority and all that. And when I started using that's what I gravitated towards and appealed to. Like that yeah. felt so freeing than yeah. being like stuck into all these rules that I didn't even like. <laughs> you know why? Yeah. Because that is freeing for our soul <laughs> right. to live our fucking life, right? Like that's fucking. Inc- I still want that. That's yeah, but what I was I'm doing. Wanting. Horrible things. We were like vandalizing people's property and stealing cars and like doing drugs and right. like it right. was all bad that I knew was fucking wrong. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like. Oh, we were just whatever. Like you talked about ditching school. Like we ditch school all the time to the point they're like, if you miss another day of school, you're going to fail. Like you can't miss any more days of school, (laughs) you know? Right. And like my parents' house was the house because both my parents worked. We ditched school and went to my house and raided the liquor cabinet. Had a buddy (laughs) like 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 (laughs) y'all. We were that house. So I think, I still think those people are cool. They're still the people that are living by their own rules and they are free. They're not living this life of, I don't, I'm not trying to compare it to slavery, indentured servitude. Like we are forced to do these rules. I don't want to, I didn't agree to that. Fuck them rules. Right. So anyway, I still think that's cool, but I think what you're saying, things that are bad, I think they are fucking statements about what the world is doing wrong. And how right. we're ass backwards, right? Oh, that farm equipment is more important than me and my life? Fuck that farm equipment. I'll defile it. You right. know? If you put stuff as more important than life, I will break your stuff. Right. <laughs> it makes sense to me. I don't know. I can't be too mad at yeah. people who do that. And at that age, for a lot of us looking back now, at least a lot of the kids I hung around with, and for me, it was a point of like crying out for, for help. Yeah. Like, we are hurting. You know, I've joked with Jen about this now. Like, I still have <laughs> points. It's terrible to say. So we're, like, walking through Home Depot the other day or, you know, big box store, and a guy's got this, you know, cart on it, and he's got a couple of the fake, like, Christmas trees all lined up. And, like, I'm walking by, and I just want to kick all that shit all over the fucking floor. And, <laughs> walk, you know, just, <laughs> like... I just want you to fucking fuck your shit up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. I just want to make you, un- I want to make you hurt like I feel like I hurt. Or yes. I want to make you recognize that what you think is stable and secure in your life can be like just totally <laughs> fucking fucked up in like eight seconds and someone else is going to laugh at you. Like, Dude. that's such a weird feeling to walk around with. <laughs> you love to do that though? So I, I don't love to do it. I don't actually do it. Right, right, right. Oh, no, but I would that. like to. Yes, but I feel or the like, impulse is there. I, I feel like it. knowing that that's what satisfies you. You should do, go and be a Zen priest. 
Dave always talks about that's exactly what his mentor does for him is pulls the fucking rug out from under <laughs> yeah. him at every turn. Like, we can we yeah. can please you, Billy. Yeah, that's funny. We did uh when I was working in high school at a summer camp for Boy Scouts. Uh, we used to drive around the local place and steal people's lawn ornaments and then come put them in our campsite. <laughs> so I had like some swan planters and shit that I ended up taking back to my parents' house. Sorry, little town around Broad Creek, <laughs> but it was fun. Um, but some of that yeah. stuff as a kid that age is normal, I think. Some It's when it gets mischief. to the unhealthy I like parts of it. Yeah. I'm a fan of mischief, personally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, nothing that harms things, but yeah, mischief. Right. I get it. Maybe you can say the fucking swan plant holders harm somebody because they didn't get them back, but like, get over it. Yeah. I don't know. Let's take a break. Yeah. Have you found that listening to the Recovery Sort of podcast has helped you in your day-to-day journey? Please share the message of compassion and well-being with the loved ones in your life. Connect with us more at recoverysortof.com, Facebook, Instagram, threads, YouTube, and other social media spaces. And have a great week.